This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. And we are talking today about Rabbi Meir Balhanes. Rabbi Meir Balhanes, everyone knows about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai today's Lag Omer, but people don't realize that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai also had a yard site a few days ago. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is famous because he is part of our Sedichot. Sfardim, we're very big on Sedichot. We sing for 40 days Sedichot. And we have both of them. Rabbi Meir Baranes and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Anenu Meir. Anenu. Hashem, answer us. God of Meir, answer us. So Rabbi Meir Baranes became famous. He's part of our Serichot. And the next line is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Anenu. Okay. Bizchute de Bar Yochai. Anenu. So it's interesting. We have both. In our Serichot, we have Rabbi Meir Baranes and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai together. Why are they put together? These are the two miracle men. These are two miracle men. These are men who could do miracles at whim. And Bezrat Hashem would all be able to do that when the Mashiach comes, would all be able to do miracles, good miracles. Rabbi Meir Baranes, we're going to talk about his miracle. Uh, that's how we get this uh, line in our Serichot, that God of Meir, answer me. Because he has reputedly told someone that if you say that line, You'll be saved. Hashem will do a miracle and save you. And it was tried and tested. And that's why we put that line in the Serichot. So, um, and it became part of also different kinds of rituals people do. For example, if a person loses something, there's a famous thing to be said. God, God of Amir Aneni three times and give Sedekah and then you'll find it. So it's very, it's better than the Apple device they just came out with this week. You stick it onto something and your phone can find it. But uh, this is tried and tested. You say, God of Meir, answer me three times. And you give Sadaqah in, in memory of Rabbi Meir Balanes. And hey, Presti, you'll find what well, you lost. Okay, so there's uh, different things that I do. People, they collect Sadaqah. Well, there's many uh, charities in Israel. Um, and it's called Sadaqah de Rabbi Meir Balanes. It's reputedly Rabbi uh, Yosef Karo, the Shukhanan, says, if you give Sadaqah, um, to a charity of Rameh Baranes. It has to be spent in Israel, to the poor people of Israel. So Sedaqah became very, very famous. All these different Sedaqot in memory of Rameh Baranes. And usually the money goes to Israel. It should go to Israel. Anyway, let's talk a bit about Rameh Baranes. As we said, he was a contemporary of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And they were both students of Rabbi Akiva. Both of the students, the five last students of Rabbi Akiva. So I just want to go through a few Gemarot and I'll talk about his life. So uh, the rabbis say he was born in Babylon. Rabbi Baranes was born in Babylon. And he, according to the Talmud, his father was a descendant of, hold on to your seats, Roman Emperor Nero. The Roman Emperor Nero, uh, the Romans are very, uh, uh, they, they don't have very good things to say about the Emperor Nero. Apparently he fiddled when Rome burnt. So Nero fiddled when Rome burnt. What does that really mean? Read between the lines. So Jewish uh, tradition tells us he became a Jew. <laughs> That's what it means. He fiddled when Rome was burnt, means he became Jewish. So according to our tradition, Nero, the emperor, became a Jew. And his descendant, no less, was Rabbi Meir Baroness. Okay, so that's an interesting Gemara. Rabbi Meir Baroness was a descendant of Nero, who converted. So Baruch Hashem. He was one of the greatest students of Rabbi Akiva. One of the greatest students, probably, the, I don't want to say the greatest, but he was they say he was the greatest. I don't, I don't want to say it, but he was the greatest student of Rabbi Akiva. He was one of the greatest authors of the Mishnah. In fact, if there's a Mishnah where there's no name, it's usually Rabbi Meir Balanes. 
סתם משנה רבי מאיר, רבי מאיר בלנס is the main author of the משנה, even though the editor was רבי יהודה נאסי, and he was the most mentioned, he was the most mentioned sage in the משנה, actually he's the third most mentioned sage in the משנה, um, the first, the highest mentioned sage was probably רבי יהודה בר אלי, you know, if we have time I want to talk about as well, who was also a student of רבי עקיבא, so רבי מאיר בלנס, third most mentioned sage in the משנה, And he was also a stum Mishnah, a Mishnah with no name is Rabbi Meir Balanes. That's how great he was. Most of the Mishnayot are Rabbi Meir Balanes. Um, he is the third most frequently mentioned sage in the Mishnah. He was born around 139 CE, 139 CE, around 139 CE, which is just after the Bar Kochba revolt in 135 CE. So he became a student of Rabbi Akiva after the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva died. which we talked about earlier, we talked about the Omer, I might mention it again today. So uh, he went and he found five new students. Rabbi Meir was one of the five new students. The other four were Rabbi Yudah Bar Eli, which hopefully we'll have time to talk about. Elazah ben Shamua, Yossi ben Chalafta, and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, which today is Elula, tonight is Elula, which is his uh, yard site. And uh, Rabbi Meir began to study very early in life. He was so young that Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva tried to give him smicha. The Gemara doesn't say how young he was. We're going to talk about it, a bit about it. He was so young that no one accepted the fact that he got smicha. So he was very young when he started learning, and he was a genius. He was a genius. At first, he entered the, the, the school of Rabbi Akiva, but he couldn't grasp the lectures of Rabbi Akiva. He went to the school of Rabbi Ishmael, where he acquired tremendous amounts of knowledge. And then he returned to Akiva, who uh, Rabbi Kiva ordained him over the other students. As I said, he ordained at a very early age, and therefore no one accepted the ordination. He had to get ordained again. He had to get smicha again. We're going to talk about, a bit about it later on, hopefully. And uh, his smicha was uh, confirmed by Rabbi Yehuda ben, ben Baba, who was uh, an elder sage later on. And so he got smicha twice, once by Rabbi Kiva, when he was very young. Don't say how old he was, very young. And no one recognized it. They got, he got smicha again by Rabbi Yudad ben Baba. Uh, unlike his master, Akiva, Meir kept away from Bar Kokhba, obviously. If you say he was born just after Bar Kokhba, he was, he was not related to the Bar Kokhba revolt at all. Nevertheless, his father-in-law, who was the father Bruria, interesting, Bruria is one of the few uh, women who are mentioned in the Talmud as being very learned. She was one of the few. Um, Bruria, there's a school named after Bruria in New Jersey, Uh, in northern New Jersey in Elizabeth, a place called Elizabeth. And uh, Buria became famous because she was smarter than most rabbis. Uh, most of the rabbis, in a, in a few places in uh, Talmud, it says that her opinion was accepted by the rabbis. Interesting. Buria was a genius. She was the daughter of a great sage, Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradion, who was one of the 10 great rabbis who were killed by the Hadriatic persecutions. We talked about Hadrian, the emperor who the Romans loved so much, one of the five greatest emperors. It was in his time that the Bar Kokhba revolt was, and he killed 10. He had 10 great rabbis killed, either him or his procurators. So they killed 10 great rabbis. One of the great rabbis was Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradion, who was the father-in-law of Rabbi Meir Balhanes, who married his daughter, Bruria. The Bruria was the daughter of Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradionis. Uh, we're going to see the Talmud says they wrapped him in a separate Torah and they burnt him alive. So that's, um, 
don't think just Christians burnt people alive. They got it from the Romans. The Romans wrapped him in a set of Torah and they burnt Rabbi Hanani ben Tradion, Rabbi Meir Balanes' father-in-law, alive. And they killed his wife and the other daughter they sentenced to be uh, a zona. They put her in a, a, a Roman, uh, they put her in a Roman uh, brothel. They put her in a brothel in Rome and, and Bria tells her, Mayor Balanes, go and save her. So anyway, we're going to talk about that story, very interesting story, tragic story. But uh, Mayor ran away from the persecutions. He ran back to his hometown, I guess, in Babylon somewhere. And after a while, when the persecutions of Hadrian uh, stopped because Hadrian died, um, he came back to Israel and he took a prominent part in the reestablishment of the Sanhedrin under Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel II. And he, he raised the dignity. He was raised the dignity of Hacham. They called him Hacham, which he was in charge of preparing the subjects which were discussed in the Sanhedrin. And... Uh, he, he was also eventually became Rosh of his own in uh, Bethsan, in Amaus, near Tiberia, where he lived and he lectured to his students. So he had many students as well, Rabbi Baroness. One of his smallest students was Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who became eventually the Prince Yehuda, who was the editor of the Mishnah. So we're going to talk a bit about that as well, Bezrash. I'm going to go through the Gemarot and uh, we're going to talk about his wife as well, Bruria. And uh, he, his character traits was uh, humility and love of peace. So there's a famous story, it says, the Gemara says, about a woman who never missed one of his lectures. And one, one night she comes home late, and her husband is very jealous. Where were you? You went to lecture a mayor again? You love him more than you love me. It's not right. So I'll only let you back in the house. In those good old days where a man could lock his wife out, or the bad old days. And he locked his wife out. He said, I'll only let you back in. If you go and spit in the eye of Rabbi Meir, um, so go and spit in his face. So she goes back to Rabbi Meir, she tells him the story of Meir, pretends he has an eye problem in those days in the time of the witch doctors uh, where they didn't have real medicine. He asked the woman um, to spit in his eye because he had an eye pain. He said, spit in my eye seven times. And so she went back to her husband, she knocked on the door, she said, not only did I spit in Rabbi Meir's Face, I spat in his face seven times. We see the humility of Ramir Bananes, who was willing to undergo this um, to make peace between husband and wife. Amazing peace between husband and wife. So uh, uh, that's one of his uh, stories of humility. His generosity. He was a public scribe. So people would hire. In those days, not everyone knew how to write. They needed to write official documents. You know, so today we don't, we take for granted the idea that our computers, our word processes, we can do everything at home. You have a computer, you have a printer. In those days, they'd have to go to an official scribe. And uh, he, Ramir Baroness, was one of the scribes, official scribe. And he would charge, uh, he, had, he would earn three coins a day. I don't know what kind of coins. They were Roman coins. And two of them he would live on. And one he would support the other rabbis. So he's very generous. Two-thirds of his money he would live on, and one-third was given in Sarekat to support other rabbis. So they asked him, they said, Mayor, you're giving away all your money. What are you going to leave to your children? Ramiro says, if they're not good children, if they're not good people, then why should I leave the money? And if they're good people, Hashem will provide for them. So, so, so he would not worry about his children. He said, if they're not good, why should I provide for them? If they are good, Hashem will definitely provide for them. Anyway, we're going to talk a, a bit about that as well. 
And uh, let's go to what some of the Gemara that, uh, that talk about him. Um, the first Gemara I'm going to talk about is in Yabamot, the famous Gemara in uh, 62b in Yabamot. And the Gemara discusses the, uh, the important uh, verse that King Solomon says in Kohelet, in Ecclesiastes, uh, King Solomon has a beautiful uh, pasuk, amazing verse. And this verse is, uh, we're going to see the explanation. Obviously, Shalom Earth was a very uh, deep, uh, wise man. He would not say things which are very easily interpreted. So I just want to leave, read this uh, verse to you in Hebrew. In the morning, sow your a seed. Now, he could be talking about a farmer sowing his seed in the morning. He says, And in the evening, don't stop sowing. Keep on sowing. So you don't know which seed is going to grow. So in the morning, sow your seed, and also in the evening, sow your seed. So the Gemara has a few explanations of this pasuk. What does it mean? What is Shlomo Melech trying to tell you? Is he just referring to a, a farmer sowing his seed? Is he just giving an advice, insurance policy, keep sowing seeds because you don't know which seeds are going to take in the ground? So Rabbi Kiva says, Teach Torah when you're young and teach Torah when you're old. So spreading seeds is not just applies to a farmer. It's also spreading seeds of thoughts into people's heads. Teach people when you're young and teach people when you're old. You don't know which students are going to be more successful. And really, this was really sums up Rabbi Kiva's life in a very short line. The Rabbi Kiva taught students when he was young, these 24,000 students who died, unfortunately. And then when he got old, he taught five students. And through those five students, he implanted the Torah in future generations. So the, the uh, insurance policy of Shlomo Menach, plant when you're young and don't stop planting. Keep on planting. Have students when you're young and have students when you're old. You don't know which students are going to be more successful. So that was Rabbi Kiva. That's how he explained this pasuk. And there's others explain that have children when you're young and have children when you're old. Again, you don't know that which, which child is going to be more successful. Don't stop having children. That's a rabbinical law. That's why you see families with large, uh, large families, people with large families. Based on this pasuk, waiting from the Torah, the minimum amount to have is uh, one boy, one girl. You do the mitzvah from the Torah. But based on this pasuk, Shlomo says, don't stop. You don't know which child is going to be more successful. Sometimes the youngest children are more successful than the older children. We don't know, and therefore it's like an insurance policy. Anyway, so Rabbi Kiva applies this to his life. I had, I had students when I was young, and I had students when I was old. And this is actually, this command is the source of the 24,000 students. And this is where it brings it down, that Rabbi Kiva had 24,000 students, and then they died of this uh, plague or whatever it was. Unfortunately, that's why we, the period of the Omer is very sad. There are three things that apply in the Omer. Number one is no music. Number two is no haircuts. Number three is no weddings. Um, a lot of people get confused. They say, you know what? Maybe no shechianu. Maybe no, no buying new clothes, no swimming. And the answer is they're getting confused between the Omer and the three weeks, which we have to talk about later on, um, a couple of months' time. Um, the Omer is not as serious as the three weeks. The three weeks, we lost two temples. The Omer, we lost students, but that's been this, the case right through Jewish history. Unfortunately, we've been losing people right through Jewish history, different persecutions. So it's not as serious um, a sad part of our year as the three weeks. And therefore, only these three laws that I mentioned apply during the Omer, which is practically over because Lagba Omer breaks the time of 
um, morning. So like Boma is going to break the time morning, especially this year. It falls on a Friday. It's Friday, Mashkenazim, everyone has haircuts tomorrow. Tomorrow is the time for haircuts. And then we can listen to music and we lose the, the sadness of the Omer is over. Okay. So this is where the Gemara brings down here. Bamot 62b talks about he had 24,000 students. They died. And then he gets five students, five great students. It says he goes to the south and he finds these five students. What are these five students? It says over there the names. Um, okay, it says, He went to the rabbis in the south, and he, and he taught them. Who were they? Rabbi Meir Balanes, Rabbi Huda Barilai, Rabbi Yossi Bar Halafta, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and Rabbi Yezer Ben Shamoah. Rabbi Yezer Ben Shamoah, so five students of Rabbi Akiva. We're celebrating today the Lag Bomer, which is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, one of the students of Rabbi Akiva. And a few days ago, we had also the outside of Rabbi Balanes. Um, and also, that is a very big uh, thing. And that's the one Gemara which we did. And we have another Gemara, which is in Sanhedrin. This Gemara is Sanhedrin, Yudalit, and 14a. And uh, Rabbi here talks about how young Rabbi Meir Balanes was when he got smicha. The person who says, this is uh, Rabbi Yochanan saying, Whoever says Rameer was not given smicha by Rabbi Akiva is making a mistake. Some Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva did give him smicha. So they did not accept the fact that Rabbi Akiva gave him smicha of Rameer Bananes because he was so young. That's what Rashi explains. I just want to read you Rashi. Rashi says, Rameer Bananes was still a lad. So that's why they never accepted. The rabbis did not accept his smicha. Imagine. Rabbi Kiva gave him a smicha, but no one accepted his smicha because Rabbi, Rabbi Meir Balanes was still a boy. Imagine getting a smicha as a young boy. And then uh, people saying, hey, he's too young. How can it be? How can he get smicha? He's not a rabbi. We can't call him rabbi. Until he was again given smicha by Rabbi Huda ben Baba, the Kiblo. And then they accepted him. Um, okay, so then they accepted him. So that's the story that the smicha Rameer, he must have been a big genius to get smicha from a very early age by Rabbi Akiva, no less. Rabbi Akiva knew everything and he gave smicha to Rameer Balanes. That's amazing. Uh, moving on to another story, and this is in Eruvin, Dafyud Gimel Amud Bet. Um, so uh, this is Rab Acha Bar Hanina, one of the great rabbis in Babylon. He says, It's revealed before the one who said the words and the will was created. And in front of, in front of Hashem, he didn't want to say Hashem. We say every morning, Blessed be the one who spoke and created the world. So this is a play on that bracha. It's revealed before the one who said and created the world. There was no one in Rabbi Meir Baraness's generation like him. He was even greater than Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. I didn't want to say it, but here the Gemara says it. He was the greatest in the generation, obviously, just after Rabbi Kiva passed away. So the question is, why is the halacha not like Rabbi Meir Baraness all the time, if he was the greatest? They couldn't understand what he was saying. It was so deep. They couldn't figure out why he said what he said. And when he explained it, they couldn't understand it. They couldn't get to the end of his uh, mind. 
and uh, he, he didn't obviously he didn't he couldn't explain himself so well that they could understand not everyone could understand what he was saying and therefore they never fixed the halakha like him they didn't understand how he got to the halakha but he was brilliant everyone could see he was brilliant he was the most brilliant person in the generation so amazing and there's a whole discussion what his real, what his real name was you have other names uh rabbi rabbi huda nasi says look what he says he says he says the fact that I learned more than my 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 friends, the Chazite Rabbeim Mechare, I I would see Rameir sitting the back of Rameir. I would attend the class of Rameir, but obviously there's a lot of people over there, and I could only see his face from behind. I could only see the back of his neck. If I would see him from his front, from his face, I would be even sharper than I am now. Imagine this is Rabbi Yudah Nasi, who became the prince, became the editor of the Mishnah. He says, the reason why I became so smart is because I saw Rabbi Meir Bananes' back when he gave classes. <laughs> it says, when you, when you go to the rabbi's class, you see the rabbi's face. Because when you see his face, you see the expressions, and you can understand the class better. It's like uh, the difference between seeing a video of, uh, of someone talking or just hearing the tape of him talking. So the video gives much more meaning. You see the person's face when they're talking, the expression, the elocution then you can understand the class better. So that's the same thing Rabbi Yudha Nasi says, if I got smart by watching his back, how much more so if I would watch his face? So the question is, why couldn't he watch his face? And the answer is, the classes of Rabbi Meir Bananes were packed. You couldn't sit. You could sit only in the, you know, in the back. In the only places that they were open were in the back. Rabbi Yudha Nasi was young. So obviously the older students were in the front and the younger students got stuck in the back. And Rabbi Yudha Nasi got stuck in the back when he says, if I was in the front, I would understand much more. That's amazing. That's really amazing. So, number one, we said that if Hashem himself was the one who knew that Rabbi Bananes was the most knowledgeable, was the greatest hacham in his generation. And number two, Rabbi Udanasi says, if I see Rabbi Bananes' class from the front, I would have got much more out of it. Amazing. amazing. So that's the greatness of Rabbi Bananes as a rabbi and as a teacher. So now we're going to a story, which is a very tragic story. This, as we said before, uh, Rabbi Akiva lived during the Hadrianic persecutions. And here I want to talk a bit about uh, Rabbi Akiva's colleague, Rabbi Hanania ben Fradion, who he said was the father-in-law of Rabbi Meir Baraness. Now, I don't know if Rabbi Meir Baraness ever saw him even, because he was probably killed before, before Rabbi Meir Baraness came on the scene and married his daughter. Uh, Rabbi Hanania ben Fradion had at least two daughters. Uh, one was Buria, and the other one we, we're going to talk about who was sentenced by the Romans to a brothel. We're going to talk about that right now. So this is a story uh, when Rahana and Ibn Tradion was alive towards the end of his life. And there was a rabbi there, Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma. Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma would listen to the Roman decrees. He would not try and uh, stand up to the Romans in any way. He would, whatever they told him, he would do. If they said not to learn Torah, or at least not to teach Torah in public, he would not teach Torah in public. So the story is Rabbi, Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma was sick. And Rabbi Hanania ben Tradion goes to visit him. He says, my, my brother Hanania, don't you know, he says, don't you know Hashem gave power to this nation, to Rome, to uh, conquer us and to rule over us. He destroyed God's house. Now, it's impossible for the Romans to destroy God's house if God did not acquiesce. He burned God's sanctuary. He killed God's pious ones, killed the big rabbis. 
and he got rid of all the best people. But dying, who came it? And the and that nation, the Rome, is still standing. And I heard about you, Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradion, this Rabbi Yosef ben Kisma saying, I heard about you that you gather Jews together in public in great assemblies and teach them Torah. And a Sefer Torah is, is carried by you all the time. Hananiah ben Tradion said, May Hashem from heaven have mercy on me. This is exactly, it's interesting. This is said by Spartium at a, at a mourner's house. May God comfort you. May God have mercy on you. So may God have mercy on me. Hanan ibn Tradion is alive. Rabbi Yossi ibn Kusma is warning him, don't do what you're doing. Don't teach Torah in public. The Romans will kill you. He said, May Hashem have mercy on me. I'm telling you something which is solid, which has reason. And you tell me the answer that uh, may Hashem have mercy on me. I'm warning you, don't do it. It's pikuah nefesh. Amalo, he said to him, Ani omer l'chadorim shiyem. Tama'anim lo yisrufu adcha v'etzeb atura ba'esh. Mr. Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma giving a terrible prediction which came true. I won't be surprised if they burn you and the Sefer Torah together. Amalo, Rebbe, ma'ani l'chayei olam haba. He said, Rebbe, he says, tell me, he says, do I get the world to come? Amalo, klum ma'aseh bariyadecha. He said, what merit do you have that you get the world to come? Imagine. The fact that he's going to be burnt with a Sefer Torah around him is not enough merit. The fact that he's teaching Torah in public is not enough merit. So look what he says. And he said, the money of Purim got mixed up with the money of Tzedakah. I give all the money to, to the poor people. Okay, so amazing. So he's, he's giving a, a lesson. Rabbi, Rabbi Hanan bin Radion says, this is the merit I have. Then the money I had, I saved up for, the, I guess, for the food of Purim, got mixed up with Sadaqah money. I gave all the money to Sadaqah. I gave even the Purim money, which is for my food, to Sadaqah. That's the merit I have. It's amazing. He has so much merit. He teaches so much Torah, and yet he says the small thing. That's his merit. So what Rabbi Yossi Ibn Kisma says, says also very strange. He says, in Ken, He says, also, may my lot be like your lot. May my portion be like your portion. Okay. So what happened is, I guess Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma passed away, and a few few days. Oh, so here it is. He find, passed away a few days later, and the greatest Romans came to bury him and give him a eulogy. Imagine they loved Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma because he would always listen to them. He would not disobey their instructions. He was uh, always trying to tell people to obey the Roman instructions, and therefore the Romans came, buried him, and eulogized Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma. Amazing. Hesped Gadol says a tremendous eulogy. And on the way back, the Romans found what they see, Rabbi Hanania ben Tradion, they saw Rabbi Hanania ben Tradion on the way back, the Romans see Rabbi Hanania ben Tradion teaching Torah in public with the Sefer Torah on his lap. They catch him and they wrap him with the Sefer Torah and they put tremendous bundles of uh, twigs around him and they put him on fire. And, but before that, they were cruel. They were really cruel. The robots who wanted to torture him, they put sponges of wet uh, wool inside his shirt. So he would, it would take a long time for him to die. And, uh, and his, his daughter says, screams, Abba, woe to me, father, that I see you like this. Amala, he told her, I was just being burnt by myself. This would be hard for me. Now that I'm being burnt and the Sefer Torah is with me, 
שבקשר בונה של ספר הוא יהיה בקשר בוני. השם הוא יתן לבוני של ספר תורה, הוא יתן לבוני של ספר תורה. אמרו לו תמידיו, רבי מה אתה רואה? אימג'ן, הוא בין בונד עליו, והסטודנטים יש את האודסטי לשאול, רבי, מה אתה רואה? זה אמר להם, כליון נשרפים ואותיות פורחות. He said, I see the Sefer Torah being burnt, but I see the letters of the Torah going up. Amazing, very spiritual concept that the spirituality, the soul of the Sefer Torah, the letters of the Sefer Torah represent the soul of the Sefer Torah going up and the body of the Sefer Torah, the parchments being burnt. And that really is referring to himself. He was the body of the Torah and his soul is going up. His letters are going up. Um, so they told him, They told him, Rabbi, You're just covered with these sponges. You're not going to die very fast. Open your mouth, let the fire go inside your mouth and so you can die quickly. He said, this, this is a very interesting uh, Gemara because uh, it talks about assisted suicide in the sense that he was determined not to cause his own suicide. He said, I will not uh, rush my death. The one who, took my, uh, who gave me my soul, let him take my soul. Amazing. So what happens, this is a, this is a wild story. It says the, the Roman uh, who was in charge of putting him on fire said, Rabbi, he says, if I would take out all these woolen, uh, all these wet wool uh, pieces from inside your chest would, would, uh, and you burn quickly so you can die quickly and you won't suffer so much, will I, will I get an entrance into Olam Abba? And he said, yes. So he said, he took out the woolen things and they both died together. So the Roman also jumped into the fire and they hear a voice from heaven and the Roman is also given a place in Olamaba. Anyway, that's the end of that story. Tragic story of Hanania ben Tradion shows us the cruelty of the Romans. Um, it shows us that these rabbis were willing to give their lives to keep the Torah going, teach Torah, even though some of them advised against it. We see this uh, dichotomy, this uh, argument between the rabbis themselves. Where do you draw the line? Nefesh, where do you draw the line? Do you go underground? You should go underground. No, he's, he's teaching Torah in public. He was defying the Romans publicly. A bit of a chutzpah. Defying the Romans publicly and uh, tragic, tragic. Anyway, but uh, on, the, on the other hand, he got a lamba, on the other hand. Anyway, so the end of the story is, what happens is, so his uh, son, Lord Baroness, marries his daughter, Beruya, and Beruya says, she said to him, I can't live like this. Why? Because I know my sister is in a brothel in Rome. Please go and save my sister. That's what Bruria told Ramea Baranes. So it says he took a bag of gold coins um, and uh, he went to Rome. Well, he went wherever the brothel was in the Roman Empire. And he went, and, but he, was, he wasn't just going to go and save the... the Her sister, he wanted to find out if the sister was still uh, virtuous or not. So he went to the brothel. He goes and asks the guy, please, I want this girl. He names her. This is the one I want. She's Jewish. Uh, she's a beautiful girl from, uh, from Israel. And the guy says, okay, let me go and ask her. So he comes back. He says, she can't see you right now. She had a period. She can't see you. And so he said, okay, that's good. That's a good sign. She's still virtuous. And so he says, he tells the... Um, The uh, guard, he says, I want to buy her. I want to get her from you. And the guard says, I can't. I can't do that. It's illegal. I can't give her away to you. She's stuck here. That's a sentence. Uh, she's stuck in the brothel for her life. So what happens is he uh, makes a deal with the guard. He bribes the guard. But the, bri the guard is scared. So he gives him a symbol 
of uh, being safe. He says, if you say, whenever they catch you, you'll be safe. It's an it's amazing story. It's a wild story. Uh, the Gemara says, this is Abu Zara Yud Chet. Okay, in Abu Zara Yud Chet. So he says, give her to me. The gods said, I fear if I do so, I'll be punished by the government. But Mir said to him, take this vessel full of gold coins, give half to the government as a bribe, and half will be for you. So God says, when the money is finished, what shall I do? I have no money to bribe anyone. The Mir says, just say, God of Meir, answer me. You'll be safe. The God said to him, how do I know? It sounds like a trick. Jeremiah says, you will now see. So they were, they were outside. There were some very wild dogs. They were apparently very like Alsatians, carnivorous dogs. And Ramir Baroness takes a clod of earth, throws it at the dog. And obviously the dog comes chasing after him. And he says straight away, so he, this is a sign to the guard that this, these words will protect him. So he gave the daughter, he gave the daughter of Hanania ben Fadion, his sister-in-law to Ramir, take home. So what happened is, the king hears about this, Caesar hears about this, and the guard was brought to be hung. And he, uh, he, he gets up there on the stage, and they, they put the thing the cord around his neck. And then he says, shouts out, and the mechanism does not work for some reason. They were unable to hang the guy. They said to him, this is very unusual. What's going on? Tell us the story. He said to them the whole story of how Rameh Baraness took the girl and he gave him this patent. If I'm in trouble, I say these words and Hashem, God, will save me. They then went and it says over there, they engraved the image of Rameh Baraness at the entrance of Rome. It's like a wanted poster. They made a wanted poster of Rameh Baraness and they said, anyone who sees this man with his face should bring him here. One day, it says, the Romans saw Rameh Baraness and they chased after him. And okay, so there's all kinds of stories over there how he escaped. But obviously, if he can teach the God to escape, he can, he has, he can say, he just says, El Hademir Aneni, and he, and he gets out anyway. So that is the, the roots of this prayer that we say, Sfardi, we say on Selichod. Answer us, God of Meir, answer us, comes from the story. Of answer us, amazing, amazing story of Rami Ben Baraness. Uh, there's a few other uh, stories. Um, said he had two sons, uh, young boys, and they were both sick. It was a Shabbat, and he leaves the house. He goes to shul, and he comes back. He says, "Bria, my wife." He says, "How are my two sons?" So he says, "Oh, they're fine. Don't worry about them. Go back to the shul for mincha and come back." And goes to shul for mincha, comes back. He says, "Bria, I'm very worried. How are my two sons?" So she says, what can I tell you? She says, amazing story. She says, uh, a man came a while back and he gave me two jewels for me to look after for him. And uh, today the man came back and said, can you give him back the jewels? What should I do? She asked Ramir, you're the rabbi, tell me what to do. Should I give him back the jewels or not? And Mayor says, of course, what a silly question. Of course, he gave us two jewels to look after. Of course, you have to give them back the two jewels. And then he understood what he said, that the jewels were his two sons and both passed away, unfortunately. But it's a Shabbat. She didn't want to tell him on Shabbat. So that's the way she told him. That's the genius of Bruria. That's the greatness of Rambeya Baroness. The legend is that it's interesting. It's interesting because there's a whole big debate where he's buried. But today, if you go to Deveria, you go through the entrance of Deveria, which is from Beit She'an, the Jordan Valley entrance. Uh, beautiful, beautiful scenery. If you go up the, the road over there, I don't know how safe it is today uh, through the Jordan Valley. 
Um, but you get through Beit Shean and you go, the first thing you see when you enter Tiberia is this mountain on the left and you see Rab Meir, the, the, the tomb of Rab Meir, that's where it is in Tiberia. Um, very, very beautiful. Uh, it's good to go once in a while. Uh, whenever you're in Tiberia, pop in to the Kebbe Rab Meir Baroness. There's a big yeshiva. There's a yeshiva there. They study all day, all night. Anyway, it's a good thing to do. So there's a legend over there that he asked before he died that he should be buried standing up. Now, this is very unusual. We don't never bury, we never bury people standing up. He, he has to be buried standing up. Why? Because uh, like the Amida, like he's praying Amida. So that one, one opinion is because he, he's still praying. He's standing up and praying for us. Uh, the second reason is, it says when he wanted to meet the uh, Mashiach, he wanted to be standing up already to meet the Mashiach. He, he didn't want to have to lie down and, and get up again uh, in the grave. He'd have to stand up in the grave. He'd just uh, be standing up already. Uh, so there's a lot of different legends about Rabbi Kiva. There's also discussion on Rabbi, Rabbi Meir Baroness. There's also discussion where he's buried. There's at least four places they say that he's buried. Two of them are in Babylon. There's a big debate. Did he go, ran away to Babylon again? Did he come back? Anyway, the, fame, the thing we say today is he's in, uh, he's buried in Tiberia and there's a massive tomb there. And that's what we take today. Okay. That's the story of Meir Baroness. I just have a few things. Uh, to uh, talk about Rabbi Huda Barilai, who is also a colleague of Rabbi who is also uh, probably the most mentioned in the Mishnah, Rabbi Huda Bar, Rabbi Huda. Any Rabbi Huda in the Mishnah is Rabbi Huda Barilai. Rabbi Huda Barilai is interesting. He was probably, the halachas like him at the most places, but um, a lot of people don't know who he was. Rabbi Huda Barilai is very famous. He's also buried Outside Sfat, he's, he's buried on the way outside Sfat, also in the Galilee, because that's the place where the, rabbi, the rabbis lived at that time, time Rabbi Akiva. Um, the southern part of Israel was destroyed by the Romans after the Bar Kokhba revolt. And the rabbis lived in the Galilee, as we mentioned, because Josephus, general of the Galilee, surrendered to the Romans. So uh, it's very important to note that uh, this is Rabbi Huda Barilai, the most mentioned rabbi in the Mishnah. Rabbi Huda Barilai, the most mentioned Rabbi Huda. He's also called Rabbi Huda Bar Marava. He's from the West, which is from Israel. And he was Bar Eli because his father's name was Eli. His first rabbi was Eli, just like Rambam is Ramosha ben Maimon. And his first, his first rabbi was his father, Maimon. So too, Rabbi Huda Bar Eli, his first father was Eli. And apparently they're buried together. So in the same, uh, if you go to the tomb of Rabbi Yehuda Bar Eli, they're buried. It's also the, the tomb of Eli, his father. I mean, Eli was a student, Rabbi, Yehuda, Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus. Who's a student of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, taught by his father Eli, and then he went to join. Uh, so Rabbi Huda Bar Eli, at the beginning of Hadrian's persecution, he ran away and had to hide himself, and there's times of peril. And then eventually, when he came out after Hadrian passed away, he became the Romans appointed him as Rosh Hamidabrim. He was because he said good things about the Romans. Again, Rabbi Huda Yosef and Kisma said good things about the Romans. They loved him. And they also loved Rabbi Huda Bar-Eli. Rabbi Huda Bar-Eli always spoke good about the Romans. I mean, obviously, walls have years, especially in those days. The Romans had a lot of talebearers hidden away. And so I just want to say a few things about Rabbi Huda Bar-Eli. He was a great man. And the Romans loved him because he said good things about them, that they built roads, they built marketplaces, they built all kinds of good things. Whatever good he said, Rabbi Shem Bar-Eli said bad things. And that's why Rabbi Shem Bar-Eli had to run away and hide in a cave. Whereas Rabbi Huda Bar-Eli was appointed by the Romans to be the first rabbi who ever spoke at any meeting. 
because he loved them, so he would say good things about them. So they appoint him as the rabbi who would uh, speak first at any meeting. Anyway, so uh, he was very, very poor. He was very, very poor. He ate the simplest food. He even lacked proper clothing. And all he cared about was learning Torah. He was learning Torah, and that was it. So one day he was studying with his teacher, Rabbi Tarfon, which we find uh, in, the, in the Haggadah. He, Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva and Bnei Brak having the seder together. So his teacher was Rabbi Tarfon first. Rabbi Tarfon says, Rabbi Huda, he says, why is your face shining? So he said, Rabbi Huda, look what the answer says. He says, yesterday I found some cheap beets in the marketplace and they were very delicious and helpful. And although we ate them without salt, we had no money to buy salt. The beets were very good. And that's why I, my face is shining today. I got some nourishment today. His face was shining because some nourishment. He got some beets. And Terry can imagine. He had some beets and his face was shining. Also, he never had, uh, said he never had proper clothes. One day he found some inexpensive wool and his wife made a cloak. Now, apparently that cloak was uh, able to be worn both by men and women. It wasn't particularly set aside for either gender, in which case it would be forbidden in Jewish law to be worn by both. But it was, it was a cloak, so it could be worn by a man, it could be worn by a woman. His wife made, embroidered it. It, was a, it looked like a good cloak. So it says when she went to the marketplace, she would wear the cloak. Obviously, she never had any proper outer garments either. And when he went to the academy, he would wear the cloak. So they had to share the cloak. And one day he was late for a meeting. So the, the Rabban Shimon Gamliel sends a messenger to find out where is this great Rabbi Huda. And uh, the messenger comes back and says, Rabbi Huda doesn't have any uh, overcoat. He doesn't have a cloak. His wife is wearing the cloak right now. She went to the marketplace. And he'll come as soon as possible. Rabbi Gamliel obviously sends him a cloak, a beautiful cloak. And this was refused by Rabbi Huda. He says, listen, he says, if I want money, he lifts up the carpet in his house on which he was sitting. And he says, here's the gold coin. See all these gold coins? I have access to money any time I want. Obviously, that was a miracle. He had access to gold coins anytime he wanted. He chose not to take these gold coins. He chose to live a very simple life. He sent back the cloak to Rabbi Gamliel. And when his wife came back to the marketplace, he wore the cloak and he went to the meeting. So, so okay, so that's Rabbi Huda, uh, the greatness of Huda. It says he, the, the halacha would normally be like Rabbi, Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda is uh, very big in halacha. In the, in the, I just want a few, few of his things. He says, great is the giving of charity. It makes the day of redemption come closer. When a person gives tzedakah, it draws closer to the day of Mashiach, draws closer to the day of redemption. Number two, great is labor. He was very much a proponent of work. Great is labor. Why? It improves a person's life. Obviously, a person cannot live. If there is no flower, as the Brikavot says, if there's no flower, there's no Torah. Man, a person needs something to live on. So it's very good to go and get a trade, get to go learn, go work, and this way a person can survive. Number three, a person who does not teach his son a trade is as, though, as if he taught him to be a, a robber. Imagine, a person does not teach his child a trade. And what else does the child have to do? So the child will become a robber, go and cheat and lie and steal. And that's, that's a very important saying that we have to teach our children a trade. This is Rabbi Huda, Bar Eli. The last saying I like is a very important trade. This is uh, like the Rambam. The Rambam says the golden mean, this idea of trying to always find the golden mean in between two extremes, not to be an extremist. He says, the best path lies in the midway. That's Rabbi Yudha Bar Eli. The greatness of Rabbi Yudha Bar Eli should, should uh, stand for us. The greatness of Rabbi Yudha Bar Eli should stand for us. 
I'm going to finish a bit early today because a lot of people are going to go, especially in Israel, and have their picnics and their barbecues and their bonfires. So I want to wish you all happy Lagba Omer and a happy Shabbat. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.